The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Samaritas, the state's largest private foster care and adoption agency. However, Samaritas also provides a number of other services around the state. They are one of the largest refugee resettlement agencies in Michigan. They serve homeless families, persons with disabilities, abused and trafficked women. They also provide market rate and affordable housing for seniors and HUD housing for families and also have skilled nursing, memory care and rehab communities in Grand Rapids, Cadillac and Saginaw. Samaritas, we thank them for their support here at Deadline Detroit. Hey everybody, happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit. Thank you so much for being with me today. And uh, we're going to discuss something that, once again, may not seem like the sexiest subject in the world, something called ad valorem tax assessments, but they're important. You're paying them in many cases. You might not even be that aware of it. It certainly doesn't show up necessarily when you look at your property tax bill until you actually look at it in depth and see how much you're actually paying. Now, these are special assessments. At least they're supposed to be special assessments to pay for infrastructure projects and things like that. But more often than not, as they're being used these days, they're paying for basic city services, things like police and fire. Is that fair? Not every community gets to use them in the same way. Some get to do this, and it's a way of getting around the Headley Amendment. So we'll talk about that coming up on the program. My guest is Eric Lufer. He's the president of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. He's written a big policy brief on this, taken a look at a number of different communities in Michigan and how they're using these ad valorem assessments. He had a recent opinion piece in the Detroit News, taking a look at it, suggesting that this is basically a property tax by another name. But it's not something that necessarily counts against Headley. And is it fair? We're going to talk about that right now. Eric Lufer, welcome to the Craig Folly Show. It is always a pleasure, sir. It's good to be back with you. Uh, I appreciate all the work you do. Well, I appreciate that. And and I'll tell you what, you know, one of the things I've been trying to do and and uh, over the last couple of weeks is you know, really get people to understand what is going on when it comes not just to the state budget, but but also to municipal budgets around the state. I think it's very important. You know, I'm, I'm watching, of course, this this horrific debate going on in my town about downsizing schools and watching people that don't really have a great basis of understanding of how all the funding works and why we got to where we are uh, before they spout off about what should be done and why can't we do this. So I thought it was important to sort of fill people in on what's really going on out there when it comes to this. You've got a new report at Citizens Research Council taking a look at ways that that communities are utilizing tools that they that they have access to that maybe they weren't intended to be used for. And in this case, it's something called an ad valorem special assessment. So I thought I would give you an opportunity to, first of all, tell us what an ad valorem special assessment is supposed to be. Well, a special assessment is an idea that sometimes the infrastructure work that a your city or your township does uh, affects just a corner of the city or a corner of the township. So if they're going to put sidewalks on in my subdivision, that's going to help my subdivision. It isn't necessarily going to help the whole city. So it's a question of, for the city council, the township board, should that whole city pay for it or should the residents, the, the properties that are benefited by that improvement should they bear part of the cost? Uh, so when they do, that's called a special assessment. And the cost, you could either apportion the whole cost or you can say the city will pick up half and the, the properties will pick up half, you know, something like that. 
and and they spread that cost usually by what's called frontage. So how much of that sidewalk is on your property or how much of the new street is does your property touch, you know, whatever the infrastructure is. So it's a way for paying in, for infrastructure. It's a one-time cost. You know, you might spread it over a few years because you're talking about big bucks, but it's a one-time cost. Um, and, and it's a way to pay for the infrastructure that's going to benefit those properties. Well, and, and again, it has a purpose. Uh, you know, these might be one-time expenditures that wouldn't normally be, you know, considered when you are doing your budget for your community, um, taking a look at whatever revenue you're going to be getting in property tax and revenue sharing from the state. You might not factor in a big infrastructure project to that. So you would do this special assessment, especially if it's only going to benefit specific members of your community. However, this is not the way that these are being used in this day and age. Um, given, you know, the Headley Amendment uh, and, and some of the problems that local communities have with revenue sharing around the state, they've been strapped. So, so talk a little bit about how this ad valorem system has been expanded. So we have a law that was enacted in the 1950s. So you know, let's put that out right, right away that nobody's breaking law here. They're just the law is bad law that we think should be changed. Uh, the law says that instead of using that frontage or whatever way to apportion the cost, the city or the township can use the value of the property uh, to share the cost. And it goes further to say that it can use the revenue raised to pay for services. And usually that's for police and fire services, public safety services. Um, so you know, why do we think that's bad? We have property taxes, right? That's the way we pay for most services our cities and our townships pay for, whether that's for parks, for the planning and zoning they do, for garbage pickup, you know, whatever it is, we have a property tax system. And over the years, over a century, we've put in a number of limitations to control how that property tax system is going to work, that the rates can only be up to certain amounts that the base can only grow, the, how the city values your property can only grow by a certain amount from year to year. Um, truth in taxation, they call it, so you know what what's being levied on your property and how that money is being used. So we've had this property tax system with all those limitations, and we've created this sort of pseudo property tax that we're not really calling a property tax, we're calling a special assessment and it's external to all those uh, those limitations and therefore cities and townships are doing things beyond what those limitations would allow well and again as you mentioned i mean these are being used right now to pay for public services that we would normally consider to be part of of what we pay for with property taxes and again revenue sharing from the state things like police and fire um, how, how can they utilize the ad valorem system? As you mentioned, this is something that was supposed to be uh, assessed for those people who are specifically benefiting from a certain project. How is it that you can utilize this law to suggest that police and fire is a special assessment as opposed to something that should come out of property taxes? So the 1951 law, it, um, you know, sort of the root of it was, well, how do you pay for a firehouse, right? How do you pay for the fire truck that you need, this heavy equipment or the infrastructure needed to provide public safety. But they took it a step further to say, not only can you use these special assessments to 
pay for that infrastructure, but you can pay for the services that the infrastructure facilitates. And so, it, you know, again, it's in the law. They're not doing anything external to the law, but the law never should have been enacted. And we think it should be amended to say special assessments are for infrastructure only. And we need to use our regular taxing systems to pay for the services our local governments provide. Well, you know, interestingly enough, I mean, this this law was in place before the Headley Amendment, which came, of course, in 1978. And and of course, before the uh, the current revenue sharing allotments were adjusted, I believe, uh, back in the late 80s, early 90s. I, I could be wrong about that. Was this something that they were considering at all that you're aware of? When they did indeed make some of these changes, some of these, uh, you know, put these caps and limitations on the revenue that these communities can can earn. No, I, you know, when you look back, um, there was a handful of townships, mostly um, charter townships that were using these ad valorem special assessments to pay for police and fire. So they were really off the radar for most people. Um, throughout the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, by the 1980s, it was, you know, 5%, I think, something like that. It was some small number of, of townships. So when you were thinking about the problems of our municipal finance system, the need for state revenue sharing, the limitations that should be put in place that ended up in, with Headley or Proposal A in 1994, you didn't even think about these things. But because of the restraints on local governments, the, uh, the real difficulty in paying for the services that we need with the taxes that are available, townships, cities, a number of villages are sort of scrambling. They're paying their lawyers, be creative, find out ways we can do this that are within the law, um, but really stretch the imagination. So now we're up to 11% of our local governments um, using these types of things is 14% of, um, of the funding mechanisms that are, that are out there. So you can see, you know, over time it's growing more and more and you can imagine left unrestrained that it's, that's just going to continue to grow and grow over time. And so it's important to reform this law now, not wait for it to grow because the more entrenched it gets, the harder it will be to change. Um, but it's out of necessity that they're doing this. They, they need the funding. And, you know, when you're in the desert, everything looks like water. And, uh, <laughs> well, I, I should remind folks, my guest, right, my, my guest right now is Eric Lufer from the Citizens Research Council. We're taking a look at a special report they've put out, taking a look at ad valorem special assessments and how they are supplanting traditional sources of, of tax revenue to pay for basic services. Uh, because of the need for additional revenue in these places. Now, Eric, one of the things that you point out, you're looking at the data from 2018. There are 246 different special assessment districts in the state. And again, and 84% of those are levied by townships, which suggests to me that this is a way to deal with growth because we've seen most of the growth in, in the metropolitan areas in particular is taking place within townships that then can either decide to incorporate as a city or not, but they're seeing large population growth They've got infrastructure needs. They've got now police and fire needs that they may not have had before. Uh, is this becoming sort of the normalized way for them to raise the revenue they need? Yeah, I mean, so we have this sort of stigma 
uh, attached to cities, whether that's um, you know the growth of Detroit and what it's gone through with bankruptcy, and you can see it with Flint and Saginaw and Benton Harbor. Um, a number of our cities, I don't mean to pick just minority, majority cities here, but um, you, you could pick others. Livonia has gone through its struggles in Brighton and so on. So these charter townships, they grow up with the reputation that they're a township, right? You can have your quarter acre, your decent sized house, you're out in the, you know, sort of the fringes of the wilderness and you can have sort of a bucolic life, but the more they grow, the more services they need to provide. And there's limitations on the townships, especially the charter townships, on how much money they can raise through the property tax system. So they're trying to cling to this idea that they're a township but when you go into them, it feels a lot like a city. It looks a lot like a city. And they're trying to make get the best of both worlds. They're clinging to that township title that they can put, Canton Township or Clinton Township or, or what have you, Redford Township. Um, but they're trying to provide city services on the budget that's allowed. And that's hard to do. And that's why they're turning to these external funding mechanisms like the Lorem Special Assessment. And interestingly enough, one of the other things your data points out is that 86% of the communities that participate or do these sorts of things are actually getting more money in mills uh, from these special assessments than they are actual property tax assessments. Right. So, you know, if I'm a if I'm a company, if I'm a person trying to figure out where I want to live and I know that I can go to the county and and look at the tax rates that are levied, I might say, well, look at how low the tax rates are. I'm going to really love being there, getting all these great services at a low tax rate because these ad valorem special assessments are not reported with the other taxes. So you think you're moving into Canton Township that's levying just two or three mills, and then you get your tax bill and it's actually 13 or 14 mills. And you sort of say, well, wait, where did this come from? And and you dig in a little deeper and find out that the the ad valorem special assessments are so much more. And that's how they're paying for the services that they want to provide. So it's a wonderful way of life. You're getting great government in Canton, but they're funding it in ways that are not intended by um, sort of the system that was created long ago for how our local governments would work. Well, and in the same time, then, it suggests to me that some of these townships may indeed have a bit of an advantage in terms of raising the revenue that they actually do need to do this while we're seeing a number of cities uh, that have been forced to cut back on a number of services. They don't have the same options necessarily uh, to do this. Is this a way for them to get around some of the restrictions from things like Proposal A and Headley? Yeah, well, Proposal A affects everyone. That's how we're defining the tax base. Uh, Sure. it's really external to this, but very much Headley. Headley says that if the tax base, if the value of the property in local government grows faster than the rate of inflation, you have to notch down the uh, tax rate that's levied so that that result is an inflationary increase. With these special assessments, you don't have to worry about that. You continue to levy the same rate no matter what happens to the tax base. A, a town charter township can only levy up to 10 mils of taxation. But as I said, Canton Township, um, Clinton Township, they're levying far beyond those 10 mils. So they are getting around the limitations that are in place for the property tax system. 
even though they're levying something that looks and feels like a property tax, but has a different name. And, and we think that's wrong. Well, and there also seems to be just a fundamental fairness argument here that uh, certain places have um, ways around the system where others don't. Uh, and, and again, for uh, any citizen that's just looking to sort of figure out what their tax rate is going to be, it's not that easy to do. Um, is there an argument to be made uh, that this is disadvantageous for, for a number of communities? It very clearly is, yes. I don't, I don't mean to escape that. It's, it's clearly a fairness issue. Um, the Township Association defends it, that it's uh, available to all of their members. The Municipal League, they, some small cities can use it. They say it is a fairness issue and they want to make it available to a broader number. And we think we need to go the opposite direction. That Let's make it fair by making it available to no one. <laughs> well, you know, at the same time, that would require a fundamental change in the way that we uh, that we finance local government. Um, and, and you know, given that we have been working on what, uh, since 1950 something, as you said, on this ad valorem system, uh, we've had Headley in place since 1978. Proposal A has been in place since uh, 1994. So we're talking 25 years just since Proposal A alone. Um are we ready for a revamp of municipal finance here in Michigan? And are there other states we should be looking at that are doing it differently? Well, there's 49 other states that we can look at to see that they're doing it better than we are. Um, we're really failing on our- you're, you're suggesting we are number 50 when it comes to it. <laughs> well, when you look at the investment the state is making in its local governments, yes, we are 50 out of 50. Um, there's actually been a disinvestment in communities over the last couple of decades. There has been. Uh, our property tax system is failing miserably. Uh, we do not provide to local governments alternative taxing mechanisms as you find in almost every other state, whether that's local option sales tax, income tax, local option gas tax or vehicle registration fees, beer and wine taxes. And I'm not saying all those should be in place, but given the limitations on the property tax system, we need to look at something else. Detroit, for all of the great things that have happened since bankruptcy, all the growth that's happening in the downtown and midtown area, the city is really not much better off for it. Uh, you can look at a number of other cities where good things are happening, but it doesn't translate into new revenues for the cities. And, and that really speaks to the dysfunctional system that we're trying to operate in. So yeah, it really is time. And a lot of people have been trying to point this out for years. Uh, Warren Evans in Wayne County uh, had a whole tour going around the state trying to get people to understand what's wrong with it. The Municipal League is, has a campaign that they've been going on for years trying to draw attention to the uh, broken system and things we can do to fix it. Uh, it's just falling on deaf ears so far and, and with the Republican legislature more interested in controlling costs than providing quality of life in our local governments we're not doing anything that we really need to be do, doing to fix our municipal finance system. Well, you know, Eric, when you put out a report like this, um, taking a look at this and, and alerting people to it, what, what is your goal when you're putting something like this together? Because there's a lot of research and work that goes into putting something like this out there. As you mentioned, a lot of these complaints have been falling on deaf ears. What do you hope happens this time? Well, our mission, we don't uh, lobby, we don't advocate for you know, support of candidates or anything like that. So we really have an education mission and, and the uh, 
saying from our founder that's on our website, the right to criticize government is an obligation to know what you're talking about. That's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to get the education so that people can understand these issues and criticize the governments that are out there, whether the state government for failing to take on this municipal finance system or these uh, townships that are bending the rules to their favor, um, get the information that's out there so that we can bring about change, so that we can understand that this is not the way it should be and we can do it right if we put our minds to it. Well, that's exactly why I check out your publications. Uh, and uh, again, Citizens Research Council, they do great work. Eric Lufer, we do appreciate your time, sir. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you for having me. Always my pleasure. Eric Lufer is the president of the Citizens Research Council of Michigan. We always appreciate getting his insight on the program. You can find their stuff at crcmich.org. Lots of different reports about all kinds of interesting subjects, stuff that actually matters. That's why I like to talk about it. And thanks for listening to the program today. If you like it, share it, tell people about it, help them find it. We're doing this kind of stuff every weekday here. And then don't forget on Fridays, we do The Week That Was with Alan Lengel and Nancy Derringer from Deadline Detroit, taking a look at the big stories of the week, tossing a little fun in as well. But we're doing this all the time. The word is getting out there. More and more people are finding us, and that is great. Send me an email to thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Again, that's thecraigfollyshow at gmail.com. Let me know what you think. You can also find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Snapchat, LinkedIn. I've probably forgotten a couple. But anyway, find me. Let me know what you want me to do. What kind of subjects you want me to tackle. I always appreciate hearing from you, good or bad. It's fine with me. All right, we'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Have a great day. The Craig Folly Show on Deadline Detroit is made possible in part by Mad Dog Professional Services. Mad Dog Professional Services focuses on putting their clients on the leading edge of technology faster than thought possible to capture new revenue streams. That's Mad Dog Professional Services. Hey there, my name is Seth Ressler. Hi everyone, it's Becky Scarcello. I am new to the Detroit area. And I've been here my whole life. So we started a podcast together. It's called The D Brief. Detroit's arts and entertainment podcast. We cover concerts, comedy, plays, food, drink, all kinds of stuff. All the cool events around town, things to do, and the people that are doing them. Can we talk about some of the people we've had as guests on this podcast? Hey, this is Mark Kurlianchik, the restaurant critic for the Detroit Free Press. Hi, I'm Amanda Lisi, and I host Essential Music on 1019 WDET. Hi, this is Mark Ridley of Mark Ridley's Comedy Castle. Hey, this is Kate Williams, executive chef of Lady of the House. Hey, this is Meltdown from WRAF in Detroit. This is Josh Mallerman, author of Bird Box. This is Carmen Hart. Curator of film at the Detroit Institute of Arts. President and founder of Valentine Distilling Company. The general manager of innovation experiences for the Henry Ford. Arts and entertainment editor at the Detroit Free Press. The Michigan Science Center. Arts Beats and If you like going out in the city of Detroit, you're going to like this podcast. The Debrief Podcast. We like to say Detroit's moving. Keep up. The Debrief. Your guide to Detroit's art and entertainment scene.